shaking things up this morning a little bit. I'm going to be uh, speaking uh, a little earlier in our service than we're used to, so we'll really see who shows up late. Now I get to face you and watch the stragglers come in, so this is exciting. Uh, today we've got uh, with us a group of folks that uh, just got back from Young Life Camp, um, groups from uh, Savannah and Benton and uh, Lafayette, Central, Maryville uh, are with us today. And we're going to get an opportunity to, to hear from one of them a little later in the service about their experience at uh, Young Life Camp. So I'm excited about that. Um, we've been going through the book of Psalms this summer. Um, so today we're going to continue in that. Um, there's a kind of a terrible story I, I heard this week about uh, a guy who got up really early one Saturday morning to go play a round of golf. And his wife started to get really concerned when it's dinner time and he's still not back yet. And so he comes crawling through the door about midnight, just exhausted. And his wife's like, man, where have you been? And he's like, well, I've been, I've been playing golf. And she's like, well, what happened? Like, you've been gone forever. You left 18 hours ago. And he's like, well, it's the craziest thing. Like, I was just having one of the best rounds of my life. I was two under par. And we get to the seventh hole. And my playing partner, Harry, Harry has a heart attack and he just died right then. And she's like, well, I still don't understand why it took you 18 hours to, to get home. And he's like, well, he's like, the rest of the round, it was hit a shot, drag Harry. Hit a shot, drag Harry. <laughs> Didn't. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I've played a lot of golf. Uh, but I've never actually had to drag a dead guy behind me, thankfully. I did get a hole-in-one, though, a couple of weeks ago, if you didn't catch that in the St. Joe News Press, so I'm a pretty big deal. Um, but you know, sometimes, definitely over the course of being a Christian for 25 years, I have had to drag myself to church on many occasions, and sometimes it's kind of felt like I'm dragging this old dead soul uh, behind me on the way. And sometimes, maybe you've had that experience as well, sometimes we come to church um, or we just wake up in the morning and, and we crack open our Bibles and, and our hearts just aren't into it. And we may move our mouths and we might go through the motions, but there's no real life in our actions. And it's all can kind of become really disconnected from our hearts and um, can become kind of more of an exercise in duty instead of one in joy. So today we're going to be uh, taking a look um, at Psalm 47. And it's a psalm where the, the writer really implores us to kind of worship God with our whole being. So you can go ahead and, and open your Bibles up to Psalm 47 this morning. It's page 396 if you're using the Pew Bibles. Page 396. Would you go ahead and uh, join me in prayer before we uh, dive into the word this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, time to come together. Uh, Lord, we thank you, um, God, that we get this opportunity to uh, just remember who you are, what you've done in our lives, to come to your word, to be encouraged and refreshed and challenged. God, we pray that you would just speak to us today, wherever we are, wherever our hearts are, whatever concerns or worries we might have brought in, um, God, we lay those at your feet so that we could come um, with just our full attention to your word today. Uh, we give you this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
We're going to be taking a look at the first seven verses of Psalm 47. If you want to take a look at that with me, it says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. Well, if you were to look back a couple of psalms to Psalm 45, these two psalms um, uh, are really kind of painting a prophetic picture of uh, something that was going to happen in the future, which was the, the return of Christ to this earth, or what they call the second coming in the Bible. Uh, that time when Jesus is going to come back in his full glory and sit on his throne and all the peoples, every nation, every king, every ruler is going to come before him and bow down and worship him for who he is and what he has done. So right away from the very beginning of this psalm, you see in verse 1 that the psalmist kind of sets the tone that our worship and our praise of God um, should encompass and engage our whole body. From the very beginning, he says, clap your hands, shout to God, cry for joy. Now, I've been at Wellspring most Sundays for the last five years, and um, some of you sing. Every once in a while, I see somebody maybe kind of tapping a little bit on the, on the pews. Every once in a while, I might even see a hand go up in the air. But you're a pretty calm group, at least here on Sunday morning. And so I know that we've got a ways to go in terms of engaging our whole bodies. I'm actually going to be bringing in some tumbling mats next Sunday here for the center aisle. Tambourines will be on hooks when you come in. So we're going to spice it up a little bit. No, but Psalm 86.12 says this. It says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. See, true praise begins in the heart. I read a, um, a quote this week. Um, it's entitled, Whole Body Prayer. It says, worship is a physical act. Just as some folks see lifting their hands to God as a sign of worship, we also see lifting our hands out to a neighbor as an act of worship. When we pass the peace and give each other a hug or a handshake, it is a part of worship. In fact, if there's anyone we feel we cannot shake hands with, Scripture says that this stands in the way of worship, that we should get up from the altar and reconcile with our neighbor first. Homeless friends who sometimes smell a little have told us the only hugs they get during the week are in church on Sunday. It's a sad thing to hear, but thanks be to God they get hugs on Sunday. And hopefully we have a church that is a living, living a life of worship outside of Sunday, passing the peace on the streets and giving hugs away during the week, especially to those who smell a little. Prayer doesn't need to be boring. Consider mixing things up, perhaps kneeling during confessional sins or lifting your hands as you give thanks for something. He goes on to just describe some other ways in which we might kind of shake things up a little bit to get more of, of our uh, whole body, our whole heart, soul, mind, and spirit into um, our worship. True praise begins in the heart. Whether we're singing uh, a song with joy to God or we're reaching out to hug somebody who smells a little. We communicate true and powerful worship when we engage our whole bodies. And one of the greatest, uh, one of the great concerns that we should have as Christians is that we don't get caught up in what the Bible calls hypocritical praise. If you can show 
Matthew 15, 8, Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, that, hypocr- that hypocrisy can come out in a lot of ways um, here on a Sunday morning. Uh, it could come out um, with the worship band just kind of performing music for you when their hearts really aren't engaged and connected with what they're singing. It could come out from the pulpit with the pastor who is delivering a message, but um, their lives are really not uh, connected to the message that they're giving. They're not trying to live that out and pursuing God in their own life with him. It could come out in the people that fill the pews on Sunday morning, people maybe who have kind of been living the whole week in a kind of a self-centered manner. Uh, Then they get up on Sunday morning, they don't really take the time to even stop and pray and kind of prepare themselves for church. They come to church, uh, you know, and do what they're supposed to do. They sing the songs, they listen to the message, they go home, and nothing's really changed. Uh, There's no intent, a desire to to become a transformed person, and they kind of go about their week and then show up the next week and just kind of do the same thing. God desires more than that for us, and he deserves more than that from us. And I think deep down in our hearts, we all want to praise and worship God in genuine and sincere ways. There's just sometimes in life where we just can't seem to get there. So what do we do in those situations? Well, I think verses 2 through 4 have some, some tips for us. Let's reread those verses again real quick. It says, verse 2, how awesome is the Lord most high, the great king over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. Like we've talked about frequently in other Psalms that we've looked at, one of the things that helps us um, when, we're, when we're struggling to, to connect and focus on God is, is when we go back and remember and you can see here is the Israelites, obviously from, an, from a, in the Jews' perspective here, they could look back and they could see some of the amazing and awesome things that God had done, leading them out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea and on and on. He gave them this promised land. He had to, he had to move some nations in order to free up some space for them to have a place to call their own. He had done some unbelievable things, including choosing them to be his people. As followers of Christ here in America today, we could claim a lot of the same things, uh, the ways that God has blessed us. He's given each of us the opportunity to be forgiven, to be healed, to be saved, to have this amazing inheritance just because of all the things that he did for us on the cross. He's been good towards us. He's been faithful. He's kept his promises. And he does have this amazing inheritance for us. Maybe we need to remind ourselves this morning exactly what we've been promised. I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 14. So flip over to page 749. John chapter 14. You can see the heading there. It says, Jesus comforts his disciples. He had just got done telling them that, that he was going to have to leave this earth and he was going to be going to heaven. And the disciples were pretty upset about that. And so he says this. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. As we speak, God is preparing a place, a room for us to be with him forever. Flip over to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, there in the very back, page 860 in your Bibles. Revelation 21, page 860. The book of Revelation was written by the disciple John, and it was um, a, a vision that God was giving him of, of that time when Christ was going to return and, and the whole earth was going to be made new. And that's why it's titled The New Jerusalem. It says in 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So it's just a brief description of some of the the benefits of what life in the presence of God will be like for us one day. And I love the way that that passage ends. God says, write it down, (laughs) count on it. These things that I say, they are true. They're going to come to pass, just like all those prophecies that I had about my son coming the first time. You know that there are twice as many prophecies about Jesus' second coming as there was about his first? Man, that's exciting. Well, my guess is that when we come to worship and our hearts are far from him, it's because we've forgotten who he is and what he's done and what he promises he will do in the future. Either that or we might know that stuff up here. Maybe we haven't forgotten it. But the power of the truth behind those things hasn't impacted us either on a, on a head or a heart level in some way. And that's why I, I think it's so important for us that to get our hearts and minds out of our circumstances sometimes. Because sometimes whatever present circumstances we have going on in life kind of rule our emotions. And so sometimes we have to get out of those things um, and focus on what's true despite whatever our present circumstances might be telling us. And sometimes that's a little bit easier said than done. Well, if you flip back in your Bibles back to Psalm 47 now, hopefully you kept a finger there. I can find that it's page 396 if you want to look back there. At the end of verse 4, you see this little word that you see throughout the psalm, Salah. And um, it's a musical term. Um, actually, they're not real sure exactly the translation of it. But uh, most people have kind of uh, thought that it was those, that word is really kind of put there to create a pause for the reader. An opportunity to kind of be like, okay, wait a minute. Before you move on to the next section of scripture, let's take a second to really reflect on, on just what you just read. Um, and in this case, just kind of on God's goodness towards his people. Let's move on to verses 5 through 7. Verse 5 
It says, God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For the God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. You know, when I read verse 5, it, it made me think. You know, one day, um, I really hope that I'm going to be standing in the presence of God, the physical presence of God. And I don't know what that is going to be like. But if I had to guess kind of what my response is going to be based on Scripture, I would imagine that I'm going to be clapping and shouting for joy and crying and doing all kinds of things. I'm imagining that my whole body is going to be engaged in worshiping God. I mean, how could it not be? When you stand in the presence of the person that created you and loves you and saved you, and brought you into eternity with him, I can't imagine the kind of just exhilaration and joy of what that moment and that time is going to be like. And you know what? Um, what's my point in that? I guess my point is that all of life here is a preparation for eternity. See, God gives us the opportunity here and now to prepare for what that time is going to be like. You know, when you guys pray the, the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants us to bring the kingdom. Well, it's already here. We don't have to bring anything. <laughs> he wants us to tap into the power, the, the joy, the love, the forgiveness that's available through him that, that we can bring into this world with him as partners with him to, to be a benefit to all those around us to begin living like those things are true now. And we do that when we engage our whole bodies, soul, spirit, mind, in worship for him. And how we live our lives on a moment by moment, by moment, a moment by moment basis. How we live our lives on a moment by moment basis in the places that he's put us, in the positions maybe that he's put us in, in the interactions that he's given us with the people that he surrounded us with in life, we have that opportunity. Every day is an opportunity to practice for eternity. True praise begins in the heart, and true praise comes from a right relationship with Christ. Now, I'm sure you noticed a little bit of redundancy there. When we look at verse 6 and then again in verse 7, five different times the writer says, praise God, praise him. Sing praises. Why do you think he does that? Five times in two verses. Why the redundancy? Any ideas, thoughts on that? I mean, usually if something's repeated in the Bible, it's three times. That's kind of the classic, holy, holy, holy. But five times in two verses. Any thoughts? Yeah, David? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when he says things three times, it's just to make a point. He's saying that maybe this is more of just an excitement and enthusiasm for, for the, the idea or the thought. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, Gary. In, in, uh, in several of the verses, 
shoes, he's gone up with a shell. So uh, of all these things, then he totally reverses it and goes, so this is what you This is our response, yeah, to what he's done. Okay, good, yeah. Anyone else? The Apostle Paul um, kind of writes about this in, in a similar way in, in the book of Ephesians, if you could put that up. He says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. That's, that's kind of a picture for how we are supposed to be living and going about our days. Um, before we move a whole lot further, though, I want to make what I feel like is a pretty critical uh, point here. And that's this. We're not always going to feel like praising God and clapping our hands and shouting for joy. And sometimes it's because we've kind of allowed ourselves to get caught up in kind of our own selfish agendas in a way that we can't seem to kind of see outside of whatever we feel like is really important in front of our face at any given time. And other times in life, life or circumstances just kind of kick us in the gut and, and we just can't get over it. We, we are disoriented and kind of out of sorts. And it's in those times, I think, sometimes that we really need a friend. We need some community who can kind of come around us and kind of say, hey, you know, I know things are rough right now, but, but let's remember some of these things. Or we might just need to come before God humbly and just say, God, man, I'm struggling right now. I'm just dealing. I can't get my head and mind out of what's going on. Um, you know, or man, life has dealt me a rough hand right now and I'm really having a hard time kind of focusing on you and, and praising you. Sometimes we need both those things. We need to come to God humbly and have some community around us as well. And other times, honestly, I think that we just need to be genuine with God, that we're confused, we're troubled, we're angry. I think we need to be really wary of people who come into church every week with a smile on their face and a song on their heart. I think that sometimes those folks are just wearing a mask, not really willing to let other people see that, man, sometimes I'm struggling with God. Sometimes I'm angry with God. I'm frustrated with the fact that he's not answering prayers or that these tough things are going on in my life, and that's okay to show that. One of the things that I love about the Psalms is that they're so raw, and we've gone through several of these Psalms, either last summer or this summer, where you look at, you look at like the first 15 or 20 verses, and the psalmist is just hammering God. I mean, he's like, man, I'm angry, I'm bitter, and you did this to me. It's your fault, God. I mean, it's accusatory, and that might go on for a while. And some of those psalms sometimes come around and, and to a silver lining kind of at the end and are like, okay, all right, I know that I'm frustrated right now, but I, I, I do know that this stuff is true about you. I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're loving, and I'm going to praise you and worship you anyways, right, because of those things. I'm going to have faith that things are going to turn around. Other psalms don't wrap it up with a pretty bow at the end. They just kind of leave, leave you kind of in the anguish of the moment. And you know, life is like that. Sometimes we can go through things, but we can have this hope that, oh man, things are going to get better. You know, I just got to hang in there. You know, we can pump ourselves up. Other times, we, we don't know if we can get over it. We don't know the answers, and we're just kind of in anguish. 
not really knowing where to turn. And I guess what I want to say to you this morning in regards to that um, is that it's okay to be in that place for a season, but it's not okay to stay there. You know, at some point, if, if we are in a place where we can't get over the hump, um, we have got to surround ourselves with some people who can pray for us, who can encourage us, and we've got to take some responsibility for that. Sometimes people's radars aren't always as sensitive as they should be to your pain. And you need to take the responsibility instead of kind of being a victim and, oh, nobody cares about me, nobody cares about my problems. You need to go to some folks and say, hey, I'm hurting. I need you to help. I don't want to be stuck where I'm at. I got to get out of this. Verse 7 uh, to me, might be one of the most intriguing passages because it's not something that gets talked about very much. Um, that second sentence in, in verse 7, sing to him a psalm of praise. The, the Hebrew writer in the original language used the word maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L, and that word means skillful. So really, the original translation was sing to him a skillful psalm. What does that mean? Well, there's two um, pretty famous Christian pastors from the 19th century that had some thoughts on this verse I want to share with you. The first one says, praise is a duty in which we ought to be frequent and abundant, but here is the needful rule. Sing ye praises with understanding, as those that understand why and for what reasons they praise God, and what is the meaning of the service. That's Matthew Henry. Adam Clark said, sing ye praises with understanding, sing an instructive song. Let sense and sound go together. Let your hearts and head Go with your voices. Understand what you sing and feel what you understand. In other words, praising God shouldn't be just a bunch of mindless babbling about things that are just disconnected from your everyday life experience. Do you understand why and for what reasons you're praising God? Check out 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Again, Paul says this. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Don't get caught up in a bunch of emotional, over-the-top, theatrical craziness at church where you check your mind at the door. But make sure that your passion and enthusiasm is grounded in something because you're not always going to feel like doing backflips for Jesus. And this balance, I think, between our heart, our, our, our minds and our heart is, is a critical issue. And I think it's, it's one of the main reasons why so many young people struggle, especially those that have grown up in church their whole lives. Um, and you, you've heard the statistics of the number of kids that are leaving the church, you know, when they're 18 and their parents don't make them go anymore. I think so many young people grow up going to church... Um, and they're hearing all kinds of information about God, but for some reason, it's, it's just never gotten beyond information. It's never really sunken into their minds, the, the, the truth and the power of what, what, what God has done for us, what that means, or it's never really gotten into their heart in a way that causes them some emotion. <laughs> you know, at some point when we're singing songs and we're, and we're worshiping, there ought to be some emotion there. And I know that looks different for everybody. Some people are real easy to, to cry and, and get, you know, really overwhelmed with God. For other people, it looks a little bit different. But man, it ought to stir something up. 
if these, if these words really mean something to us, there ought to be a little bit of emotion behind it. And so after years of kind of being dragged to church, I think a lot of young people just kind of get disillusioned. And so they just simply give up. You know, my experience was a lot different. I, um, before I ever went to a church, I had this amazing encounter with God. And I know I was a, a teenager and I was lost and broken and really searching for something and God kind of picked me up and he dropped me down into this Young Life Club in Liberty, Missouri. And I went to this Young Life camp and, and really for the first time, God began to kind of peel back the, the curtain of my heart to where I could see how self-centered I was, how manipulative I was, how much I used people for, to get whatever I wanted out of life. And I think for the first time, I really understood that God, I needed a savior, <laughs> that I couldn't do it on my own, and that, that I needed to give my life to him and trust him to, to come in and to redeem me and save me and begin changing these things in me. And so when I worshiped in those early years, man, I knew exactly what I was worshiping God for because I could see the person that I had been and I could see the person I was becoming with Christ in my life. And so the older that I get now, now that it's been 25 years, I have to be very intentional about going back in my mind to that time in my life to kind of reconnect with, man, who I was and what God did, how he intervened in miraculous ways and, and came into my life and, and saved me and turned things around so that I don't take his saving work in my life for granted. Of course, today, being in touch with my own brokenness now and how evil my heart can still be 25 years after the fact I was first saved, being in touch with that helps me to stay current with why I need to praise God today. It's not like I can only praise him for what he did 25 years ago. The fact that he forgives me and loves me despite what I'm still capable of now is a great reason to praise him as well. When we come to church, do we sing simply because it's the next thing to do in the order of service. Well, they told me to stand up, and I guess it's time to start singing some songs. Is there a passion to praise God? And is it connected to specific knowledge about who he is and what he's done for you and the changes in your life that feed that desire to worship him? And like I said, maybe it's easy for you to kind of be an emotion. Maybe you're just kind of an emotional person. So it's easy for you to get excited or sad or happy or whatever. So it's easy for you to come and, and man, it looks like you're really praising God, but your, your head is kind of disconnected from really what you're singing. <laughs> you're not really thinking about what that really means for you in your life right now. Maybe, maybe you're in the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe you're a person that, that is kind of more of an analytical person and, and you Theologically, you, you really think about the words and you're thinking about the, the truth behind that, but your, your expression of that is kind of lifeless and kind of dead. <laughs> your heart's not into it. Wherever you find yourself this morning, the message of Psalm 47 is very clear. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. And so today we intentionally change the order of things in our service so that I'm speaking now and we're getting ready to go into a, a worship set here 
a little bit longer, I think three songs maybe coming up. And I want to give you an opportunity to try some new things today. Okay? I know for a fact that there are some of you that come to church and nothing ever passes out of your lips when you're standing up. Okay? So today I want to challenge you. If you don't normally sing at all, let's, let's have something come out. Okay, or maybe if you're one of those itty bitty singers, because I'm worried about what everybody else is going to think about me, around me, pump up the volume a little bit this morning, all right? Some of you maybe have never raised your hands to God, or maybe just turn to him with with your palms open as you sing and just saying, God, I want to receive from you whatever you've got for me today, or the other way, God, I'm I'm offering myself. Man, take, take whatever I've got to offer, I give it to you this morning. I want to encourage you maybe to, to branch out. Um, maybe if you just really love what the words of that song just said or how well our band used their gifts to play that song, maybe give them a round of applause. <laughs> give God a round of applause when the song's over. If you're a person maybe that just kind of stands up and sings and never really thinks about what the words are really saying and really what that means for your life, maybe focus on that today. Really take these words in and say, man, God, what is, how is that truth true for me right now in my life? How can I cling to that, what you have for me? I want to encourage you to kind of create some new habits, to, to learn to engage with God in praise using your whole body, soul, mind, and spirit to worship the King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, that you've given us the opportunity to praise you. And God, you are so worthy. You are so worthy. Lord, just, you know, the Israelites were able to look at just a few things and say, man, God, you have done amazing things for us. But Lord, each one of us could write our own story of how you searched us out and how you pursue us and how you love us unconditionally, which is so opposite of the conditional love that we receive from this world. Lord, how patient you are, how forgiving you are, how gracious you are towards us. So, Father, I pray that as we come to you this morning, that, Lord, we might be willing to be bold and just address you in maybe a different way than we ever have. Lord, leave all pretenses behind or what other people might think of us or whatever, Lord. Help us just to focus on you. Lord, I pray that there would be a real joy that wells up in us. And Lord, I pray that if we're at a place this morning where we're just struggling, like we're kind of like that dead guy being drunk along, drug along all day. Lord, I pray that we would take the initiative this morning to get out of that rut, to seek out some help, to seek some prayer, some community, some people who can just help us get our hearts and minds focused back on, on the things that are true and just to help us heal, just love us through this difficult time in life. And God, sometimes when we praise you, it sounds like a psalm that's just filled with anger and hurt and pain. God, that's worship too. At least we're doing something. At least we're engaging with you. At least we're talking and we just haven't abandoned you and walked away. Lord, help us just to come genuinely to you today, wherever we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing this morning.